This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan at the Denton Day on Twitter. Promo for the new Alex Ovechkin documentary started surfacing on social media yesterday that ESPN is putting together. It is going to be, I believe it's a look at him chasing Wayne Gretzky's legend, him chasing uh, greatness. It's going to debut on uh, February 4th. Now, it's, I will say, uh, right from the jump, it's going to air February 4th, which is next Saturday at 2 p.m. That's an awful odd time to debut a documentary, especially now that ESPN is in bed with the NHL. But I'm not here to judge. I'm just happy that they are making a documentary about Alex Ovechkin. I think you could air it on maybe a more prime time and then maybe air it again on that Saturday. But that's, look, that's just me. I'm not, again, I'm not here to judge. I'm just happy that it's happening. I think what this documentary is is going to do, and I think what this final run for Ovechkin is really doing right now is it's just validating what we here in D.C. already know. If you follow the Capitals for any amount of time that Alex Ovechkin has been the representative for the team and the face of the team in this city, you know he's the greatest goal scorer that the NHL has ever had. In passing Wayne Gretzky, all that does is validate that standpoint. We know that it's true already, but it validates it nationally to where everybody who is a fan of hockey that maybe doesn't pay attention to the Capitals and to Ovechkin as frequently as we do in this city, everybody would say, yes, he is in fact the greatest goal scorer of all time because he's going to do it in less games and less seasons than the great one. Now, Wayne Gretzky's the best player in NHL history. I'm not arguing that Ovechkin is a better player than Wayne Gretzky. If I was, that's a losing argument. But nobody is a better goal scorer than Ovi is. Like, literally nobody. Gretzky had a better peak than Ovechkin did, but that peak was 40 years ago. 40 years ago. I mean, think of how different the sport is 40 years ago versus how it is now. I was watching old Gretzky highlights last night just to kind of familiarize myself with him because I was born in 95. I was not watching Wayne Gretzky in 1981. But just to get familiar, and you know what I saw a lot of? Goaltenders standing straight up and goaltenders at times bum-rushing the puck when Wayne Gretzky has it. You make one little slick dangle and all of a sudden it's basically an empty net. 
Goaltenders have learned from the ways of yesteryears, all 40 years ago, and play significantly better now than they did then. I hope no one gets upset at me for saying that, but it is the reality. The goaltenders are significantly better now than they were then, and yet Ovechkin still gives them hell. I mean, that shot from the office, he's been doing that damn thing for nearly 20 years, and nobody can stop it. It's the most consistent thing about a team that over the course of his career has been very inconsistent at times. In the Capitals, when you get him in the office, he is going to kill you. I mean, that's just what he does on a regular basis. So this docu, is it really all it is is validation for what we know, that Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer that we have ever seen. I mean, think about this. Like, if you just want more stats, if you're shaking your fist at your radio and getting ready to call in, which you can, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067, or you can tweet at me at the Denton Day, But if you're getting ready to rage tweet at me about how I'm, you know, taking a a leak on Gretzky, I promise I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that dude never scored more than 40 goals after age 30. Ovechkin, once he gets over 40 goals in a season this year, will have done it five times. Five times since he's over the age of 30. He's 37 now. He's going to play for at least another two, three years. And if you've watched him this year, he's not stopping. There's no slowing down to the goal scoring for Alex Ovechkin. He's going to break this record sooner than I think most people think. And he's going to do it in a Capitals uniform. Ted Leonsis gets a lot of crap in this city for a lot of different reasons. I don't think he does a great job running the Wizards because he tries to run them too much like the Caps. I don't particularly want to see him run the Nationals because I don't love monopolies when it comes to owning uh, teams and sports in one particular city. But the one thing that I will give Ted Leonsis every single drop of credit in the world for is the way that he has treated Alex Ovechkin like the superstar in this city that he is and that he recognizes this is important. And this record needs to be broken by Ovechkin in a Capitals uniform. Now, would you argue if you love the team that, you know, you want a winner more than you want Ovechkin to break the record? Maybe there's some of you out there, but I'm not one of them. We got our championship as fans in 2018. It was one of the greatest seasons of my life. And if you're a fan of the team, it was one of the greatest seasons of your life. I wasn't even living here at the time. It was the one year of my life that I was living away from Northern Virginia in the DMV. I was down in the middle of Virginia working at a newspaper covering high school sports. And I'd run home from all the high school soccer games and lacrosse games and softball games that were taking place late into the spring and flip on the television to watch that playoff run. It was surreal watching them finally beat the Penguins. We got that moment. Now let's get the one thing that you could argue might just be slightly better personally, which is being known unanimously as the greatest goal scorer of all time. I hope ESPN really knocks it out of the park with this documentary. You know, I think a lot of the things that ESPN has done when it comes to 30 for 30s and E60s, I think they are top tier at that. I I really do. I think there is they are the the clear number one when it comes to crafting a great documentary. And I hope they put that sort of effort into the one about Ovechkin because we know that for years past, ESPN hasn't exactly been a huge hockey fan, right? They were never in bed with the NHL for a number of years, so they stopped 
prioritizing National Hockey League coverage. They stopped caring about some of the big storylines. But at least with this, it seems like they are really starting to treat Ovechkin chasing Gretzky as this major, massive storyline. I understand it's not going to get the exact same kind of coverage as LeBron chasing Kareem for all-time points. LeBron is an international icon in the way that Alex Ovechkin unfortunately is not. He's big here. He's big in Russia. He might be big in Canada or some other Eastern European countries, but he's not the global icon that LeBron James is. So I understand it might not get the same amount of coverage, but I hope it's close. I mean, I hope they prioritize it in a way where he says that at least they're doing right by Ovechkin and the NHL. You know, I watched the promo for this. It was about two minutes. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage you uh, to go check it out. I've retweeted it a couple of times on my Twitter timeline at the Denton Day. So if you haven't seen it, be sure to go overhead uh, over to Twitter and check it out. But what really struck me is something you know cool and fun was that even Sidney Crosby was getting involved in this. He was, he was featured in that documentary saying positive things about Alex Ovechkin. And for my money, Sidney Crosby saying positive things about Alex Ovechkin is the only time that guy should ever talk. I don't want to hear anything else come out of that dude's mouth. I don't like him. I never will like him. I hate him. I don't like Sidney Crosby, but if he's saying good, positive things about Alex Ovechkin, sign me up. That's the only time that dude should ever be speaking. I can say from a a subjective and objective standpoint, Sidney Crosby sucks. He's the worst. Alex Ovechkin is better. He's a much more awesome human being and a much better uh, face of the franchise than one Sidney Crosby. You could not pay me. Well, that's not true. You probably could pay me, but it's a very large number you would have to pay me to actually say nice things about Sidney Crosby. He is the Joker to Alex Ovechkin's Batman. Now, if you're a comic uh, book nerd like myself, you could easily point out, like, hey, well, Denton and, you know, in alternate universes, there have been storylines where Batman and Joker uh, work together a little bit, and that is true, but guess who's not in an alternate universe? Me! I don't like that dude. Sidney Crosby caused me an unnecessary amount of pain when I was in middle and high school, walking the hallways. I mean, in 2008, there was one day where everybody in the, the mean hallways of Mercer Middle School is rocking. They are rocking the red. I mean, we everybody loved the Caps my eighth grade year. And then in game seven against the Penguins, they get absolutely shellacked. It was like a day of mourning after that beatdown. It was pain. It was suffering that me and my classmates felt. He traumatized an entire group of fans in the greater South Riding Stone Ridge area. Kirkpatrick Farms in there, too. I'll give them some love. And then he did it again when I was in high school, walking the mean hallways of Freedom High School in South Riding. And then again in college. That dude has tormented me. I will not say anything positive about Sidney Crosby, but I will like it when Sidney Crosby says positive things about Alex Ovechkin in Alex Ovechkin's chase for greatness to surpass Wayne Gretzky as the greatest goal scorer in NHL history. Which, by the way, uh, I hope all you saw the the new sweaters that they unveiled for the stadium series. Man, those look sick. They are beautiful. The white, the big eagle on the front, it's in the blue, which I absolutely, 
I love the, the, the nice navy blue look on the white sweater. I saw it with a number on the back. They really knocked it out of the park there. I'm a bit of a fashion guy. I'd like to consider myself maybe the most fashionable person here at Odyssey DC. I'm not going to name myself that, but I'm certainly in the running. I think those, those, um, those sweaters and those uniforms look absolutely brilliant. The phone lines are open, 800-636-1067 if you want to get in touch and get involved. Cameron in Gaithersburg has some comments on the OV doc. Cameron, what's up? You're on the fan with Denton Day. Hey, man, how's it going? So, I'm good, man. I just, wanted to say, I just wanted to say as a Lightning fan, I really do uh, respect Ovechkin. I think what he's doing is absolutely great and amazing for the league, and I think fans all around the country are starting to respect that more and more, you know, especially through all the tough times this country has gone through. I feel like him tying a record and then going ahead to, like, break it, because I'm sure he'll end up reaching, you know, 930 goals total before he ends up retiring. Maybe <laughs> he even reach 1,000, but I just think that's really good for the sport itself. Cameron, I appreciate the call, and I think you're right. I think this storyline for a sport that needs to get more love and respect from a national standpoint, ESPN focusing on the storyline does wonders for hockey. It's not as readily available as these other sports across the nation. So I think that's kind of why you see you know teams and, and kids in the U.S. struggle a little bit in terms of loving the game. But like there's an ice rink that's about five minutes away from, from where I live, and there's another one that's about 25 minutes away in that same general direction. So hockey is becoming much more prevalent here in, in Northern Virginia and Maryland as well. So I, I hope that kind of... I hope that follows suit across uh, the rest of the nation because when you watch greatness, it's hard to not be in awe of it. And Alex Ovechkin has been greatness personified. You know, I did read one thing that Wayne Gretzky had said about Ovechkin chasing his record, and I thought it was a really, really strong point from the great one. He really likes the fact that Ovechkin isn't doing this on empty netters. Like he is still scoring meaningful goals in meaningful games to help propel his team to the postseason. Right now, the, the, the Capitals are in the postseason chase. Now, they're likely going to end up with a wild card spot unless they really kick it into high gear. Uh, and they could do that, by the way. Like there's still enough season to kick it into high gear. Right now, they're fourth in the Metropolitan uh, with 58 points. They could easily surpass the Rangers and potentially jump the Devils if they really get on a hot streak in the months of February, March, and at the, the beginning of April there. That is very much possible to do. So I do think Ovechkin doing this in meaningful games, scoring goals in ways that are not just your, your empty netters, I think is huge. But the one thing that I think needs to happen when Alex Ovechkin breaks this record he has to do it at home. He has to do it at home. And for the love of everything that is holy, our guys got to be on the call. Joby and Lachlan have to be the ones that are on the call when Alex Ovechkin breaks the record. I got a lot of love for the, the national guys, and I think ESPN has done a good job with some of their national coverage. But respectfully, to hell with those national dudes. It has to be the ones that have watched Ovechkin go from this, this Russian kid that was drafted nearly 20 years ago at this point in this city to becoming the greatest goal scorer of all time. That is going to be the cherry on top of what's going to be a crazy moment in the landscape of National Hockey League history. It has to be the local guys on the call when Ovechkin breaks the record. I'm Denton Day. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan at the Denton Day. 
on Twitter if you want to chime in on the Ovechkin doc, 800-636-1067. You can tweet at me as well at the Denton Day. But as we transition back in to football, we'll start to open up the phone lines for championship weekend. Outside of the quarterback, which player will have the biggest impact this weekend? That's my question for you. 800-636-1067. Outside of the quarterback, which player will have the biggest impact this weekend? I'm going to answer that question in 15 minutes. You're going to answer that question in 15 minutes. But coming up next, why the NFC Championship to me is the most intriguing matchup of the weekend. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. It's Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan at The Denton Day. We're opening the phone lines for you in 10 minutes. The question, outside of the quarterback, which player will have the biggest impact this weekend? That could be in the NFC Championship, in the AFC Championship. Hell, you could give me both. But outside of the quarterback, which player will have the biggest impact this weekend? 800-636-1067. I look at the two matchups, and I know a lot of people are drawn to the AFC Championship game because you got Mahomes, you got Burrow, and we love quarterback play. But I look at the NFC Championship game, this is far more intriguing because these are the two best teams. And, and when I say that, I mean they are built the best. I should say, how about this? These are the two best rosters that we are going to see squaring off between Philadelphia and San Francisco. I look at both of these squads, and there's no weakness. And that, to me, is exciting. Because it's going to come down to literally just one potential mistake that completely shifts the momentum, that completely decides the game, and that completely dictates the matchup that the winner of the AFC is going to have to deal with. It's all going to come down Sunday to Brock Purdy because that's the lone difference. I mean, just look up and down. We can start with the offense. At the wide receiver for Philadelphia, you got Debo, or not Debo, excuse me, you got A.J. Brown, you got Devontae Smith. Those are two great wide receivers, but for San Francisco, you got Debo Samuel, you got Brandon Ayuk. And I think you give the slight lean in that matchup to Philadelphia, but it's not a considerable margin of difference between those two. I mean, Debo is right in that same echelon as A.J. Brown, and I think Brandon Ayuk and Devontae uh, Smith are right in the same uh, tier system, if you want to go that way via hierarchy. They're right in the same position, too. You look at the running backs, and Christian McCaffrey's revitalized his career in San Francisco. We're seeing the old Christian McCaffrey when he was at his peak in Carolina. We're seeing that now with a much better offense than anything he ever had outside of the Cam Newton year in Carolina. So I think you give them the lean, although Philadelphia's running back group is awesome. The tight end position is George Kittle. I mean, look, Dallas Goddard is a really good tight end. He's not George Kittle. George Kittle completely impacted and decided that game last week. He was the one that was making plays for San Francisco down the stretch. So George Kittle, for my money, is the second best tight end in the NFL behind only Travis Kelsey. But I think George Kittle is a much better blocker than Travis Kelsey is. So you could even argue that George Kittle is the best all-around tight end in the NFL. The offensive line is a lean to Philadelphia, but again, barely. 
if the offensive line that has Trent Williams at left tackle is the lesser of the two, that should showcase just how great Philadelphia is. Now, I know there is some health issues uh, on, on some of the guys on Philly's offensive line, particularly Lane Johnson. Is he 100%? Is he going to go? Uh, I guess we will have to fully wait to, to Sunday to get those answers. But just on the offense, they're evenly matched right from the jump. If, if we are going to go old school, if we're going to go old school, uh, Larry Michael on Skins Nation or whatever the show that he did that we all watched. I mean, let's be, we all watched it when it was on Comcast and then NBC Sports Washington. It's right down the middle. There's just no skin tangibles to decide this one here. But it's right down the middle position by position by position with the exception of quarterback. Because right now, everybody trusts Jalen Hurts more than they trust Brock Purdy. But I have been holding the flag for Brock Purdy. I don't think Brock Purdy's that bad. I'm getting kind of tired of the, the idea that eventually Brock Purdy's going to screw it up. I recognize that Jalen Hurts is better than Brock Purdy, but I think Brock Purdy is a guy you can win with. And San Francisco has, to this point, proven that they can win with Brock Purdy. Micah Parsons said ahead of last week's game that San Francisco hadn't seen anybody like Dallas. Well, Brock Purdy saw somebody like Dallas. He didn't play great. I think the first half of last week's game was one of the worst halves of football we've seen from Brock Purdy. But it's not about how you start. It's how you finish. When Brock Purdy needed to make plays, he made plays. George Kittle helped him out a little bit. Debo Samuel helped him out. McCaffrey, all these dudes, all these playmakers that they have surrounded him with helped him out. But Brock Purdy started to make plays. This is a guy you can win with. If you're a fan of college football, there was a game the senior year, the final two years that both Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy played in college football. Brock Purdy at Iowa State, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. They tore it down. Jalen Hurts ended up being victorious in that one, but Brock Purdy had that dog in him on that particular Saturday. I mean, he was amazing and Iowa State came up just a little short I'm hoping this game is similar to what we saw when these two guys were in college that it does come down to the quarterbacks balling against two really really strong defenses but let's look at the defense right because these aren't just the two best offenses built wise they're built on defense too the best player in Sunday's matchup is Nick Bosa he's gonna win defensive player of the year And there are plays where it is reminiscent, I think, to some of the way that we view Aaron Donald. Where if you watch Aaron Donald, and they play different positions, I know. But if you watch Aaron Donald, there are plays where he decides, I don't care how many bodies are in front of me. I don't care how many little chippy or unique things you do in a concept. I'm getting to the quarterback. Nick Bosa has that. It's not every single play. It'd be amazing and unstoppable if it was. But there are plays where he just decides, no matter what you do, I am getting to your quarterback. He's the best player that's going to be on the field in this matchup Sunday. But the best pass rushing unit is Philadelphia because they got guys. They got like four dudes that could realistically, if they were number ones on on any other team, they have 12, 14 sacks. Philadelphia's defensive pass rush is unbelievable. The linebackers, I think you give the, the edge to, to Fred Warner. Really just to Fred Warner. Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. 
He proved that against Dallas. He covers receivers down the field. I mean, he is an athletic freak. He got paid a substantial amount of money from San Francisco. And last week in the divisional round, you saw why. He was, he, I mean, this dude flies around like a missile. He is shot out of a cannon on every single play. Fred Warner is the best linebacker in this matchup. And then the secondaries is a coin toss. I particularly like Darius Slay the most out of all the secondary uh, guys that we're going to see here. But in the regular season, nobody was better at forcing turnovers than San Francisco was. They had multiple guys. Nobody that really blew your doors off with, you know, sometimes we see greatness. You know, a guy with eight, nine, potentially even ten interceptions. There was nobody like that. But everybody in that secondary can force a turnover. If you're San Francisco, everything is going to come back to quarterback because the rest of the roster is about as evenly matched as you can possibly get and much more than what we're going to see in the AFC championship game. It comes down to the quarterback. It comes down to Kyle Shanahan crafting something up. For years, Kyle Shanahan has been placed on a pedestal And understandably so. I would place him right there on that same pedestal. But he has been placed on this pedestal of being an offensive genius, an innovator. I mean, hell, he got Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl when the guy threw like eight times in the NFC Championship game because they were so great at running the football. Well, now you got a guy in Brock Purdy that is slightly limited based off of experience, but I think physically in terms of strength and just being a flat-out gamer, I think he gives you more than Jimmy Garoppolo does. Because you're not putting the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands and saying, please go win us a football game. There's a little bit of that in Brock Purdy. It hasn't been fully fleshed out yet because we haven't even seen this dude for a full season. But Brock Purdy has that gamer mentality in him. I hope more than anything that we come away from Sunday's game. I'm not going to give you my pick yet. But I hope more than anything, we come away from Sunday's game knowing Brock Purdy's quarterback won for San Francisco next year. There was the rumor about, you know, what about Trey Lance? And when he comes back, to hell with Trey Lance. You moved heaven and earth to get that guy. He wasn't all that great. Go give him to somewhere else. Give him to someone else, rather. You have your guy in Brock Purdy. You don't need to complicate things. And you could argue that eventually Brock Purdy is going to be the best quarterback that Kyle Shannon has had in San Francisco. It's a low bar to climb over, but Brock Purdy is going to be the best quarterback that Kyle Shanahan has ever had in San Francisco. And I hope if we come away with nothing else from Sunday's matchup between the 49ers and Philadelphia Eagles, it's that. But outside of quarterbacks, who is going to have the biggest impact? That's my question for you. 800-636-1067. It could be in the NFC Championship game. It could be in the AFC Championship game. I have an answer for both. I'll give it to you next. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. It's Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. At the Denton Day on Twitter. My question for you, chime in via phone or on Twitter, 800-636-1067. Outside of the quarterback, which player is going to have the biggest impact? Which player will we be talking about the most come Monday morning following the NFC and AFC championship games? I have an answer for each. I'm going to start in the NFC I think the guy that a lot of people are going to be talking about on Monday is A.J. Brown. 
He is an absolute terminator of a human being. And a lot of the conversation following last week against the Giants was almost more negative about A.J. Brown because he was complaining about not getting the ball enough in spite of the fact that his team was beating the brakes off of a division rival that they're playing for the third time this season. But I don't think that what A.J. Brown was doing was necessarily diva. And I think Philadelphia in particular has had an issue in the past with some diva wide receivers. I didn't find that to be the case last week. I think that's the culture that Philadelphia is subscribing to and buying into. I think Nick Sirianni has done a wonderful job of emphasizing competition and encouraging guys to have that dog in them. A.J. Brown wants the ball because he wants to help the team win. In the NFC Championship game, I think he gets his wish. I think A.J. Brown is going to finish the, the game well over 100 yards, and I think he gets into the end zone at least once. When it comes to Monday morning and you flip this show on, I think the junkies are going to be talking about A.J. Brown and just how impressive he looked. I'm not going to spin it into a negative Although I think some people might because Terry McLaurin here in D.C. has been compared to A.J. Brown. I do think A.J. Brown physically has a huge advantage over Terry McLaurin. I still love Terry. I'm not going to suggest that Terry McLaurin is necessarily worse than A.J. Brown. But I think A.J. Brown is going to have quite the impact come the NFC Championship game. And people are going to realize that's exactly why Philadelphia gave up all those picks and immediately signed him to all that money because when you need a guy to go make a play, A.J. Brown is going to be the one to go make a play for Philadelphia. So he's the guy in the NFC outside of the quarterbacks that I think we're going to be focused on the most on Monday. In the AFC, this is a little bit more, this is a little more intriguing to me. There's one guy on the defensive side for Kansas City, and the defense for Kansas City has not been good this year. That's kind of been a reoccurring theme with Patrick Mahomes as QB1 of the Chiefs. They've never gotten him this drop-dead killer defense that Philadelphia has, that San Francisco has. He's never had that, but I do think Chris Jones is going to have a really strong performance on Sunday. Chris Jones, to my knowledge, has never had a sack in the postseason, which is, when you think about that, I mean, that's a wild statistic because he's been such a pivotal part for that defense for a number of years, and they played a lot of playoff games since Mahomes has taken over. I mean, this is only his fifth AFC championship game in the five years that the guy has started. So they played a ton of playoff games, and Chris Jones is not performing in a level that you would expect him to perform based off of how he's paid. And he's paid handsomely because he deserves to be paid handsomely. He's a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year, as he should be. He is a dominant interior defender. I think on Monday, you are going to be talking about Chris Jones. And no matter what the results of that game ends up being, I think people are going to recognize, man, Chris Jones was impressive when his team needed him. Chris Jones was, he came through in the clutch for Kansas City in late game scenarios when they needed a stop on defense, when they needed somebody to get to Joe Burrow. Because remember, the Bengals' offensive line isn't great. They played awesome last week against Buffalo. Buffalo's pass rush, by the way, was non-existent 
for a defense that I had thought was pretty good throughout the course of the season, they were terrible last week. Now, I don't know if that was just Buffalo being bad or if there was some combination of the way that they uh, that Cincinnati was running their offense that all of a sudden the offensive line and that group of guys just clicked. I don't know what it was, but man, Buffalo looked horrible. And Cincinnati's offensive line looked really great. The likelihood of that happening two weeks in a row, uh, I would think would be slim. So I look at Chris Jones as a guy that people are going to be really impressed with. And I'll actually give you two in the AFC. I think the second guy that people are going to be talking about come Monday from that AFC championship game is Tyler Boyd. I look at what they did Kansas City and Cincinnati last year. Jamar Chase was amazing. In the regular season game, those two teams played against one another. He went for over 200 yards, multiple touchdowns. He was utterly unstoppable. In the AFC Championship game last year, Jamar Chase caught a huge touchdown pass late in the game to keep Cincinnati in it, and then they ultimately went down and won the game in overtime. I look at the Week 13 matchup. T. Higgins went for over 100 yards. He got a touchdown. But more importantly in that game, Tyler Boyd dropped a touchdown. I don't think he's dropping a touchdown pass on Sunday. I think Tyler Boyd's getting himself into the end zone. I think Tyler Boyd's going to have himself, his breakout performance against Cincinnati. His wide receiver teammates have already done so. It's the best trio in the NFL by a pretty significant margin. I would argue that maybe the commanders are the second best trio But the best trio of wide receivers by a significant margin is Cincinnati. It's time for Tyler Boyd to get his against Kansas City in a big game. I think he's the guy come Monday morning on the offensive side that everybody is talking about following the AFC championship game. You can give me your answers. You can hit me up on Twitter at the Denton Day or you can chime in via phone. The phone lines are open for you. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. Which player outside of the quarterback do you think is going to have the biggest impact on championship weekend come Sunday? But coming up next, we'll take a brief break from the NFL. There was a great high school basketball matchup locally last night. We'll dive into that as we wrap up our number two. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan, at the Denton Day on the Twitter machine. If you love basketball, I hope you paid attention Friday. A top 10 matchup here in the city, PVI traveling to Gonzaga, the number one ranked team in PVI versus the number 10 ranked team nationally, not locally, nationally squaring off against one another at Gonzaga, and the game ended up being a ton of fun. I didn't go to it. I really wish I could have, but I know uh, getting a ticket to that game in particular, you would have had to get there very, very early. Like We're talking that game tipped off at, I think it tipped off at 7.30. You might have had to get there at 5.30 to get in, which means sitting through the freshman and JV games. And not that I don't want to sit through a freshman and JV basketball game, but I have zero desire to sit through a freshman and JV basketball game. I just don't. And I also had a funeral to attend yesterday. So I attended the funeral, got home from the funeral, 
right around 7, so I figured let's flip the game on. Thankfully, Gonzaga did a wonderful job streaming the game on YouTube, as they should have, because you have to watch this game. If you love local hoops, you have to watch this game, and it was awesome. I'm excited because in a couple of weeks, I'm going to go watch PVI play. PVI, it was at one point Fairfax. Now it's more in the South Riding area. It's literally on basically on the same road that I went to high school at. So it's about 15, 20 minutes from where I live now. Going to go over there, watch them play. I'm excited to do so. And I'm excited to watch Deshaun Harris-Smith play. He's going to be ended up playing at Maryland next season. I'm excited to watch him play. And you know, sometimes I watch games with a... Uh, a predetermined storyline in my head almost, like just to kind of focus on on people, a predetermined thing, really, where I just think like, all right, this guy I know is going to be good. And, and sometimes when you watch games, like the player that you're, you're watching for can almost get lost in the shuffle a little bit and you lose them at times. That was not the case last night. Deshaun Harris-Smith is awesome. He is an awesome basketball player. It felt like several times throughout the game last night he was one to two steps ahead of everybody and that's not even a knock at Gonzaga because they have a bunch of awesome players they're number 10 in the nation for a reason but Harris Smith is so good he's so good he can attack the lane he can create his own shot which in high school basketball is a very rare thing to do but he can create shots for others Maryland's getting a kid with him I mean, Kevin Willard is getting a dude that I think is going to come in and immediately start uh, providing quality minutes to that Maryland basketball team. He's going to be playing Big Ten basketball, which is a huge deal. I mean, the Big Ten Conference in college basketball has not been as good this season as it has been in prior seasons, uh, but it's a strong conference. And I think the transition that Harris Smith is going to make uh, from PVI to to Maryland is is going to be a very very fluid one. This guy is ready to play big time college basketball, and it was apparent watching him last night uh, against um, against Gonzaga and credit to Gonzaga too because it looked like in the second quarter, uh, the second quarter was absolutely taken over by PVI. I mean, absolutely taken over. But credit to Gonzaga for fighting back. Their team is legit, man. Their team is really, really good. Now, they're not PVI good as we saw last night, but not many people in the country are as good as PVI. But Gonzaga was really, really good, and they fought back and made that game a game. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch last night. If you missed it and want to go watch it, I believe it's still available on Gonzaga's uh, YouTube page. I think it's just Gonzaga Sports. But it's fun watching high school basketball players. I mean, we brag, at least I do, I brag about how great DMV basketball is, so getting to actually watch it really kind of drives that point home. And again, I'm excited to go watch PVI play. I think I'm going to go, I think I'm going to the game against DeMatha. That's coming up in a couple of weeks here. I'm excited to go watch them play because they are a really, really fun basketball team to watch. And by the way, they won. The final was 70-57. to Harris Smith had 23 points. Derek Dixon led for Gonzaga at 21 points. But you got to support local hoops. I know a lot of people hear high school sports and they think, ugh, yuck, I'm not watching high school sports. Go watch some high school sports because the talent in this area, we are dripping 
dripping with talent locally when it comes to local hoops. So go out and watch, whether it's PVI, Gonzaga, Good Counsel, DeMatha, uh, maybe some of the public schools near your area. I don't care who it is. Go out there and watch uh, some local hoops. We got one final hour to go here. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan at the Denton Day. We're going to transition to some football. Oscar Aparicio going to join us at the top of hour number three, get his thoughts. He does a great 49ers podcast, the Better Rivals podcast. We'll get his thoughts on the matchup against Philadelphia. Matt Wyrecka, NBC Sports Washington, going to join us at the bottom of our third hour. His thoughts on the Ovechkin documentary that's being produced by ESPN and also what the Capitals could end up doing at the trade deadline. The trade deadline a little over a month away in the NHL. The Capitals are over halfway through their season they're hanging on to a wild card spot right now, but what can they do to get themselves uh, into no longer battling for a wild card spot and just a top three spot in their division? We'll ask that question to Matt Wyrick in about 30 minutes. But coming up next, we'll continue discussing the NFC Championship game. Oscar Aparicio, the Better Rivals podcast, going to break down the matchup, how San Francisco matches up with Philadelphia in the first game of championship weekend. That comes your way next. You're listening to Denton Day on 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 